From 99.9 The Fan, this is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Ovias. Dennis Cox is the producer of this program. We got bad news for Tiger Woods and the rest of the year. The Carolina Panthers are set to take Bryce Young. Bryce Young has some retorts about his frame, the concerns about his size. And we got game 84 tonight. Carolina Hurricanes, New York Islanders. It's all brought to you by Talk It Out NC. Let's get it. Tiger Woods looked like he was in a tremendous amount of pain when he withdrew from the Masters after the third round. And, well, he had surgery, Joe. Earlier today, this is from Tiger Woods. Tiger underwent a subtalar fusion procedure to address his post-traumatic arthritis from his previous talus fracture. Was any of that in English, Joe? Yeah, I don't even know. Uh, that, that, that sounds like upcoming ankle. Zelda issues. He had an ankle surgery on the leg that he on the foot and leg that he almost lost. How about that? Don't expect to see Tiger Woods anytime soon. Played in two tournaments this year. After playing in three majors yeah. last year, this I don't. This is one of those things where I don't want to be that guy. But I will be that guy, and I will once again point out my issues with the way that folks talk about Tiger Woods, and they kind of set things up for Tiger Woods in this part of his career that are just not sustainable or realistic. And it's more of a appreciate that Tiger Woods was at least still healthy enough to play in the Masters. Don't look at it as anything other than, well, is he going to win? And I'm like, no, just appreciate that he's out there and that you can still watch him play golf, all things considered. So, yeah, when he withdrew, man, you just had a feeling that that might be, that might be it. it just, we might not see Tiger Woods play in high major competitive golf until his son is eligible to yeah, play. Yeah, I, I could see something like that happening where he would be able to rest up. And he's got his initiative going on yep. where, you know, it's target top golf. That yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it's Super Mario golf. Where he could stand there and doesn't have to yeah. walk and you could still put on a show. So uh, hopefully this surgery will help relieve some of the pain that he was obviously in just, just walking the golf course. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. Carolina Panthers, they got the first pick in the draft. We all know this. There's just been nonstop speculation ever since they moved up as to who they're going to take. Well, our friend Jonathan Jones, CBS Sports, senior NFL insider, put out his mock draft today, and he's got Bryce Young, Alabama, going number one. And when Jonathan Jones says it, especially when it comes to the Panthers, I'm buying it. And the little blurb that he put in his mock draft essentially said, this has been a no-brainer from the jump. And you go back and you read what Jonathan Jones has written about the draft, what we've talked to about, you know, what we've talked about with the Carolina Panthers with Jonathan Jones. The hints have been there. And all now, everything's just kind of coming around and saying Bryce Young, which, cool, fine. You know, what I think what's been misinterpreted in our conversations about the draft show is – what concerns about the quarterbacks are enough to get you to hit the pause button and maybe think about something else, right? So with Bryce Young, we clearly know what his ability is, and he's fan- he's been fantastic. He was fantastic at Alabama, but it's the frame and the history of quarterbacks of that frame 
and their success rate in the NFL, that would cause you to yeah, go, wait, wait but, a minute here. Yeah, it's also the combination of the frame and the style of play. He's, yes. He's basically a true pocket passer. Mm-hmm. He's not a runner, which is good because, as he says in the clip here, he's not trying to run anybody over. He knows his own limitations. Right, and that's good. He knows good. his strengths. That's good. His that's intelligence good. is actually one of his true strengths because they handle Nick Saban the way that he did in two years. In, in years past with Nick Saban, you've heard him criticize quarterbacks. Yeah. He never said one crossword about Bryce Young. Here's Bryce Young understanding that size is a concern going into the draft. I think it's valid. Um, you know, I, I get it. I think everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Uh, but for me, I'm capable of, you know, I'm, I'm capable of, of what I'm capable of. I know who I am. And, you know, I've been playing with a lot of people that have been bigger with, than me my, my entire life. Um, you know, I'm, I've always been the, the smaller one on the field. And, you know, I know that's not going to uh, change to the next level. And it's something I'm super used to. Um, so, you know, I think uh, especially, you know, in, in this in the next level, it's about how quickly you can process, how, how well you can make the right decision, how how well you can get the ball out of your hands and get into playmaker's hands. So uh, that's something that I, I pride myself in. I'm ready for that challenge at the next level, um, you know, so that, you know, hopefully it's I'm, I'm not looking to, to, to run a bunch of people over at the next level or anything like that, yeah. uh, but be more be more efficient with the ball. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm used to playing around people that are much bigger, so uh, it's not going to be anything new for me. So that's the that's the read on Bryce Young. He's aware of it. That's already a step ahead of and understanding crazy, your own limitations. It's also kind of crazy that given everything is your perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're a Panthers fan or you're on the, you know, you follow the team or you're on the team, you're in the franchise, you just saw Baker Mayfield, a smaller quarterback, struggle with balls batted at the line of scrimmage. So I think that was kind of part of the question that was asked to him, like, hey, how do you handle, you know, being one of the smaller players on the field? Again, his intelligence off the charts, his accuracy off the charts. My twin concerns for him are, will the frame hold up over the rigors of an NFL season? Mm-hmm. That's number one. Can you be the exception to the rule? Number two to me is he played on a team that always had talent advantage and always had a coaching advantage. So he's never really had to come from behind. He's never really had to scramble mm-hmm. in terms of everything's been on schedule for him. He's always had the best team. Yeah. He's always had the best coach. We, and I'm not trying to compare that straight up to Urban Meyer, but remember when Urban Meyer got to the NFL, it was well, what are you going to do now when all things are equal? Yeah, you're not. You're not. How do you a, differentiate a, yourself? An FCS you're, opponent. You're not behind Alabama's line of scrimmage and, yeah. and you know playing Vanderbilt. You're not behind. You don't have Alabama's receivers and are playing against Ole Miss's secondary. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like did that affect Tua Tungavailoa. I well, the frame Jalen part. Hurts. The frame part did. Jalen Hurts. Hurts was only there for one year. Or was that, or was that an Oklahoma? Hurts thing? is a runner. Hurts is a straight is a up runner. Yeah. Okay. And he's Do developing his passing Jones? game. But, but Mac Jones is a bigger version of Bryce Young. He's yeah. a pocket passer mm-hmm. who I on think on time, on time, mm-hmm. on schedule. I think I I had all of those same concerns about Mac Jones. Yeah. Translating to the NFL for that reason, it's really, it's not easy. Please don't please don't get me wrong. It's relatively easy though, at Alabama. To look really good with all of those built-in advantages around you. I want to see what you look like because at the Panthers, while they've done a great job bringing in a new coaching staff and reworking their skill positions, I don't think he is in the same position that Tunga Vailoa is in in Miami right now. No, they're going to have to. But, but they don't, he, have he to doesn't re- have those home run hitters. Yeah, but you have to remember, too, that Tunga Vailoa didn't have exactly what they had last year. They built towards that. Right. And that's honestly where you have to put the trust and that in what will be the, the next step. doing. The That'll next be the step, next step is to get the team better around. 
you know, Jalen Hurts just cashed in a huge payday. But you got to remember, they got better around Jalen Hurts. They went and Hurts got A.J. Brown. Yep. To, and that's where the Panther – and that it's not just a, a quarterback that makes the difference here. And I want to get back to, before we move on to the next thing, there is no sure thing. There isn't. No. It's really just you deciding which one of these quarterbacks do you feel is less likely to have the issues pop up. Because like it's not like C.J. Stroud is a sure thing. We talked about Anthony Richardson, right? Anthony Richardson's a huge gamble. I, I, if he could put it together, yes, it's still no sure thing. No, and, and I, I stress but this. I, would say... I stress this because we're just a few years removed from the pandemic draft that was hyped as one of the greatest draft classes of all times with quarterback. And how many of those guys actually look like they're going to pan out? Maybe one, maybe. Well, two, Fields and. We don't know. I honestly, I honestly don't know about Fields. Right. This is a big gamble for the Bears this upcoming season and the moves they made to go get DJ Moore and everything else. This move, by the way, doesn't happen to move up to number one without DJ Moore being part of the mix right. because they are gam- they are banking on all right. You either have it or you don't. While he's still under that rookie contract, I would say this about Stroud. I feel like he is a guy who could start for ten years. Now, okay. Do I think he is going to be one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL? I think he would be maximizing his potential at that point. Is it fair at, at pick 1-1 to expect that you're going to be one of the five best players at your position? That's absolutely fair. But we'll see how it, we'll see how he, A, holds up. We'll see how he develops. And we'll also see what the Panthers do around it. Because you're right. With Tunga Vailoa and Miami in particular, the biggest concern is frame. Yep. Now the biggest concern, the, the concussion issues. But they've done everything they could possibly do from Mike McDaniel and his offense to going and getting Tariq Hill. So what will the Panthers do next? They've done a lot of good things to help this quarterback and help this pick, but they're not done yet. Here's Keyshawn Johnson earlier today on Keyshawn J. Will and Max talking about Bryce Young not being a franchise QB. I would say he's not a franchise quarterback. I don't know that he'll be able to to last based on his frame and his body. If he was a little taller, a little thicker, I believe that he'll be a hall, he would have been a Hall of Fame quarterback. But nothing tells me in the data that we have that a guy at this size can excel at a franchise level at the quarterback position. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. So, that's him on Bryce Young. Okay, cool. Well, what about C.J. Stroud? Somebody you feel like can start for, for 10 years. Well, it's not like Keyshawn Johnson sold on C.J. Stroud either. I believe he'll be a franchise quarterback. I, I don't know that he will be a superstar franchise quarterback, but I think he'll be a franchise quarterback where he will get a second opportunity. He won't play immediately, so therefore he gets an opportunity to kind of shed some of the, the years off his contract, so he gets a second contract. He won't play but three years at the quarterback spot so they can evaluate him. By the end, they have to make a decision. He'll get a second contract. Yeah, just all over the place. Uh, again, it's all a crapshoot. It's all a crapshoot at the end of the day. Why? I, I, dude, I, there's, there was a couple things on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning that had me scratch my head, including uh, one of the other topics we'll get to here in the Daily Checkdown. Next up. One, two, three. 
NC State continued to make some hay in the transfer portal. They added MJ Rice, 6'5 guard, originally from Durham. Played his freshman year at Kansas. Didn't play that much, Joe. 2.2 points per game, one rebound per game for the Jayhawks. His two, his two best games statistically came back in November. Kind of got lost in the shuffle. He is a former McDonald's All-American, though. And this now with Jaden Taylor and DJ Horn in particular provides a boost to their remodeled backcourt. Bigger guard, 6'5", 215. Like, this is a... You know, Horn is a smaller, kind of that Jarkel Joiner yeah. combo lead guard mold. And then Taylor is a, a little 6'3", 6'4"-ish shooter, whereas Rice can give you a little bit more on the wing. We um, we got a Hey Joe question that asked, all right, if if we're going to go with the whole, the thing on the internet right now is let Keats cook. Okay. Shit, he's cooking right now. He's, he's working that transfer portal. So if, if this transfer class was a dish, what would it be? And I likened it to fajitas, which are delicious. I love fajitas, mm -hmm. but not all fajitas are created equally. Okay. okay, they're not all great. But one thing all fajitas do have in common, regardless of where you go, is that they come out and it's a spectacle. You're like, ooh, sizzling. It gets other people to go, oh, pay ooh, I go, wow, the fajitas. The fajitas look at their oh man, look at the steam coming off those bad boys. Let me ask you this: but question. not all fajitas are great. Sometimes but they're a little dried out. When you eat fajitas in a restaurant, yeah. do you use the tortillas? Of course Or I do you just eat it like a, a la carte? Well, no. If that's where the case, you just get a parilla, which mm -hmm. is like a variety of meats that they make on the... I don't use the... Fajitas, I go... Tortillas. I just eat the meat and the peppers. You're just going like carb-free? Is that what it no, is? No, I just... It's so good. I don't... I don't and plus, then no, once the you put it in the tortilla, yeah, it's, the it's like all over your shirt. And what are you, five? Pretty much when it comes to that, yeah. Okay. Do you know that some places, though, make a... Fajita burrito, yes. Oh, that's that's the winner. But there's no sizzle. No, so you don't get that. But not you do get the peppers. Like, turn the, their head. Yeah, but you get the peppers and the onions Maybe and all a little stuff sour cream. Yeah, a little guac. Mm. But my point is that right now Keats is fajitas and always sizzling. It's sizzling, but sometimes it doesn't pan out. Sometimes yeah. they, sometimes they're sizzling, but then they're cold well, real quick. And rice and, is a little bit of a guess. Okay. Yeah, they're two they're, points yeah. per game, a yeah. rebound. Yeah talented player great size great frame all of those other things but this is a little bit of a guess this isn't horn this isn't taylor he does not have those stats this isn't jarkel joiner he doesn't have those stats next up and i don't even care who number two is so draymond green got suspended in the golden state warriors kings matchup the warriors are down two games to nothing to the kings and the kings are likely going to win this series i can make the argument that they were going to win this series based on how they've been able to limit and uh, make Steph Curry work for everything so far in this series. But they don't have Draymond Green because he put his foot into the chest of Sabonis. And I've been making this argument from yesterday to today that Draymond has nobody to blame for himself for finding himself suspended. And I don't care if it's, well, it's the playoffs. You shouldn't, that's too harsh of a penalty. No. Draymond thinks he's the savvy gamesmanship man. Except that the history of Draymond Green is that he usually gets clowned in reverse. Whether it was LeBron James egging him on, baiting him to hit him in the nuts, and he got suspended for Game 5, and that changed the nature of that series. That It cost him. Cost him a title. It cost him a title. And it's well, he's cost, helped them win four now. He has, but he also cost them. That's the yin and the yang of Draymond Green. And in this particular series, it's going to cost him a potential run in the Western Conference because he got got by the Sacramento Kings. And he's not going to be available. 
Uh, one thing this does not indicate to me is that somehow, some way, the league is soft. Here's Jay Williams earlier today talking about this this decision by the league being soft. Soft. The NBA is the reason why people think NBA players are soft for stuff like this. This is this is why I have a problem with it. What do we hear people say about the league all the time? This guy hurt his finger. He's on the IR for five days. You guys are soft. Or somebody gets caught with the elbow. Oh, it's just, well, it's an elbow. Like, we want to see more aggression. We want to see more physicality. Like, I saw Quentin Grimes with blood on his face. I'm like, yeah, it's the playoffs. I get the push off. I get, he got ejected. And I understand the history. Now, if you want to say, if the reasoning for this comes out, that the reason why the NBA suspended him for one game in the playoffs is because it was the way he acted with Adam Silver in the stands and him yelling at the crowd and that being a really big thing. Okay, and I, I get it, but this is playoff basketball. Stepping on a guy's chest and jumping that's, yeah, is yeah. not that's not part of any no. basketball regular no. season playoff. No. Otherwise, next up. Game two, Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup playoffs between the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Islanders, or is it game 84? There's a decision that's going to be made by Rod Brindamore that will decide whether or not this is regular season-like playoff games or actual playoff-like playoff games. We'll discuss next. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So this is when Dennis Cox filled in for Occupy the News. Is this the actual song? Oh, the one I did? Yeah. Yeah. You're about to start singing? In about two seconds. Okay, here I it is. I had the field. Where have all the good shots gone and who are all these frauds? Where's the on-court Hercules to fight against the odds? Isn't there a shooter upon a fiery steed? Late in game, I toss and turn, and I dream of what I need. I need a free throw. I'm holding out for a free throw to the end of the night. It's got to be strong, okay. and it's got to be I pure, thought, and I got I thought our version of Alexander throw. Hamilton was awful. But Dennis really set the bar high. Oh, I said it extremely high. It's really tough to top. Really, really tough to top. Set it very, very So the high. Carolina Hurricanes don't need a free throw. What they need is more power play goals. Um, I think tonight, Joe, in game two against the Islanders, or game 84, if you will, that we can get caught up in the goalie conversation. It's been a point of conversation for months now. But so is the power play. And... <laughs> I, I know you can out statistics. I think you had pointed out to me that somebody was saying, oh, well, you know, if you look at the Islanders five on five against the Canes, I mean, they were the better team mm -hmm. as though power plays don't matter. They don't count. They yeah. don't count. If you take away those power play goals, I mean, Islanders win that game. Islanders win one nothing. I mean, what are we doing? Jeff Pizdelicking this thing, man? Don't work that way. Look up Jeff Pizdelic. I don't want I don't want to explain it. Um, I mean, if the Canes, like we joke with Mike Maniscalco, if the Canes are going to be 50% from the power play for the rest of the series and the rest of the playoffs, well, hell, 
my beard is gonna get gnarly, man, because I'm not shaving until they're out. Um, but I don't see them shooting fifty percent or hitting fifty percent on the power play um, going forward. I, I think Monday was a little bit of a fluky thing based on what we know about the Canes and the regular season and what we've seen in the postseason. It really comes down to Brett Burns being that consistent playmaker like he was in Game 1. Otherwise, you're going to have very similar statistics that you pointed out on Twitter the other day about their power play success or really failure in the postseason. Yeah, they could not have asked for a better start. First power play, five seconds into it. Burns sets up Ajo. Ajo finishes, especially with Ajo being on the, struggling during the last month of the regular season, mm-hmm. getting your best player to score the first goal of the playoffs. You could not ask for it any better. Getting it set up by the guy who you bought in to be the primary quarterback on the power play after that particular p- position has vexed you the last four years in the playoffs, whether it was Dougie Hamilton or whether it was Tony D'Angelo. Dream start Oh yeah, for the Canes. Dream. I also think the way that they played is sustainable in this series. And I think it's important for the Canes to just stay in this series. Because last night, when I was watching the Rangers and the Devils, oh I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. But you can't worry about that. No, you can't worry, that's, that's you can't worry about, about Boston. No. You can't worry about the Rangers. You can't worry about the Avalanche who lost no. last night on the other side of the bracket. No. you got to worry about what's in front of you. I do think the way that they played in game one is sustainable. And I do think they're a better team. And the Islanders, the, the one thing I'm going to be interested in is in game three when the matchup doesn't go to broad Brandon Moore's choice with getting Jordan Stahl on their top line because I do think the Islanders are really, while a scrappy team, puck possession, all those other good things, uh, Sorokin is definitely the best goalie in this he series. Is. This is, is not like, you know, I'm not putting anyone down. I thought Ronta played well enough to win the other night, and he did. That's what they need. That's they what just, they, they just don't. That's again. That's all you need from Ronta or whoever mm-hmm. else they might want to magically put in there. Um, but the thing is with the Islanders, I think they're really top heavy, and I think this is a matchup that is favorable for the Canes. And if they play like they did in Game One, in Game Two, I think it'll be a low-scoring game. I think they'll win again, and they'll be on their way. So one of the knocks on the Islanders has been that they're essentially the dollar general version yeah. of the hurricanes or the and wish you see that and you can see you, you can see that in the, the, the yes. last 12 minutes of the first period where we sit in the press box is there's two different press boxes mm-hmm. there's a there's like a press press box and then there's like a radio tv mm-hmm. section we're in the radio tv section and it's on where the canes shoot once and it's where the islanders shoot the visiting team shoots in the first period that whole the last 12 minutes of that first period mm-hmm. was right in front of us yes right in front of us and there was no head turning. It was all yep, right down. there, right there. So uh, that was, and but it wasn't like these crazy. Oh my goodness, I can't believe Ranta just made this save. Or, oh my goodness, I can't believe you know this unbelievable play. It was just a lot like what the Canes do. Mm-hmm. They had the puck, they get it on net, and they try to kind of bury it with numbers. And I was impressed with the way that they were able to play. I was also impressed with the Canes defense. Every time at this this time of the year. People just seem to forget how good the Canes are defensively. And I don't know why. It's probably a function of the market that they're in. It's probably a function of, like, Jacob Slavin. Do, you, do we, you know, I, I think Brett Burns was amazing because of his power but play. But we never talk about Slavin. we never Jacob talk Slavin. about Slavin. Even though he's, he's so cons- good. He's consistently Brady great at what Shea, he does. Yes. Pesci. These guys are, like, this is the strength but of the team. You brought up Brady Shea. You, earlier in one of the breaks, and we'll close on this, you were looking at some action. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, yeah, put some money on Shea. Cause it's to score. Be, because this is going to be a classic situation where it's tonight, and this is what I was getting at, I don't feel that the Canes' power play is going to be as consistent, consistent sure. as we saw Monday. It's asking a lot for so them to go 2-4 every game. It's, <laughs> it's going back to the Canes being the Canes right. and creating a bunch of opportunities. Now, I've railed against this. That you can you can spit at me all the high danger chances you get, but if you don't finish them, what are we doing here? Which gets to the opportunistic aspect of it and how the Islanders are portrayed in this series and how they got here. They're opportunistic. Yeah. Strong goaltending from Sorokin, and then they take advantage of a miscue or they have a lucky puck bounce. Opportunistic. Yeah. Oh, there's a game on the and island where, steal. He, where he steals one. They're going to yeah. steal a game. yeah. So the Canes are just a better version of that. The Canes are better, deeper, at, and deeper at creating I those think their chances. Forward lines are much deeper. That's and having, their advantage. And having the puck bounce their way more often than not. I feel like that's what's going to happen tonight. It's not going to be a power play thing. You're going to see the, the you're going to see the the collective. Assuming right? Brady Shea stays out of the penalty. Well, box there's tonight. that too. That is, two there's penalties. That. It's there's, too stupid penalty. Yeah, there's that too. There's that too. But it's the same lineup tonight. Ranta's in net, mm-hmm. and everything's the same. In front of them, hmm. the Canes played well, huh? And the coach who has I a guess, routine for his gum didn't we'll, change his I, routine. I guess we'll I am see. Stunned. I guess we'll see what happens oh, after Florida. tonight. What direction they'll go in in terms of the net on Friday? I still think they're going to go with <laughs> Freddie Anderson on Friday, even if they win tonight. 